Hey, well, I want to welcome all of our locations in Cortland and Corning and Binghamton and Ithaca and then everybody join us online. Come on, church, can we put our hands together and make them feel welcome? I am so glad to be with you right now. My name is Will. I am the lead pastor at Two Rivers Church. I want you to look right up at the screen, wherever you're at, I want you to look right at me and I want you to know that I love you. I care about you, and I've been praying for you, and I'm believing that right now God is getting ready to do something really, really beautiful in your life, and all we've got to do to be able to partake in that is to, uh, to say yes to God. So I want everybody to do this wherever you're at, at every location and online, just everybody say yes. yes. Come on, one more time, say yes. Yes is allowing God to come and do something in my life. And I love having a yes orientation. Well, I, as your pastor, want to say thank you because Two Rivers Church is an incredibly generous church. You have been giving in ways that have been transforming our world through your generosity. And Right now, this weekend is our miracle offering weekend. And for those who are new, this weekend is where we're here. We're going to give our very best to God in an offering. And it's for Kingdom Builders. So what Kingdom Builders is, Kingdom Builders is the ministry where we use it to give over and above the needs of our church to expand the church around the world. And so this is an initiative that we're stepping into that I believe over the next several years through our Kingdom Builder giving, we're going to make a huge impact throughout the world. And, and so what we do in Kingdom Builders is we focus on a couple of areas. We focus globally, we focus locally for church expansion, and then we focus on resourcing Christian leaders because every leader needs tools placed in their hands in order to be more effective at leading people to Jesus. And so what we want to do is transform the world by leading people to Jesus. And so today is the day that we give our best offering. And it's amazing because I'm gonna do, we're going to do this fundraising thing today. And we're going to try to raise all this money. And then we're just going to give it all away. And, and it's a big day for all of that because what it's going to do is going to further generosity in our lives and then it's going to transform people all over the world. And so whether you've been a part of this church or you're just very brand new today, I'm praying that everyone's going to be a part of this. And, and everyone's going to say, I'm in. You can count on me. I'm going to help us to see a miracle in our kingdom builder miracle offering. And so I'll tell you, this is going to be a miracle because our goal this year is $150,000 to come in in this offering. And that's the biggest offering that we've ever asked for as a church. And so, so I'm saying, okay, God, let's do this. Let's go. And, and here we are praying about this $150,000 miracle offering, and we have this COVID reality. How many people have been impacted a little bit by COVID this year? Everybody should have your hands up at this point, right? If you don't have your hands up, I don't know what rock you've been living under. 
But, but COVID reality, there's about 30% of our church right now that's online. And we hate all of you guys as you're like skiing and on the beach and doing whatever it is. I know you're out partying, doing something. But I'll tell you, it's actually, for me, I'm like, I, I don't know what you're doing online because I'm having a blast right now. Come on, somebody in the house. Anybody in the house like, yeah, we having more fun than you on the ski slopes? Yeah. But here's what I believe. I believe even though 30% of the church is online, that God can do more than we can ask or imagine or think. And, and so what I want us to do is I want us to kind of take a peek into the Word of God. Go in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, and this is where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about a miracle offering. And Paul starts to talk about the Macedonians. And so let's pick it up now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up. Everybody say welled up. Here's this overflowing joy and extreme poverty. You want to talk about some crazy contrasts. Anybody in extreme poverty and yet at the same time had overflowing joy. And what happened was that welled up in rich generosity. In verse 3 it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They, that's a pastor's dream. All the people were like, Pastor, can we please give? And our church is like that. Y'all are, yeah, everybody turn, turn to your neighbor and say, you are so good. I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe I'm at this church where there's all these generous people begging to give. And in verse 5, it says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I want to take a moment. Let's bow our heads at every location, everybody online. Jesus, I, I pray that now over our lives that we would excel in this grace of giving that something supernaturally would begin to well up inside of us. That they, the Macedonians, gave themselves to you first of all, and then to each other. And that God, you did something in their extreme poverty that overcame all of that. And there was a gift beyond measure because of the grace that was on their lives. And I pray that grace would settle onto all of us now. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody together said, Amen. So here's what Paul says. Paul says to the Corinthian church, who was rich in every way, 
They had all the gifts. They were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. They had all these supernatural gifts. They had love. They, had a, they were rich monetarily. And Paul says, I want you to excel in this gift of giving. And, and what's interesting, Paul says to the Corinthian church, hey, I want you to do this offering, but I want you to look at the Macedonians. I want you to look at their church and see what they've done. In the severe trial that they were going through and all the things that they, were ha- they had happening and all that was going on, I want you to see how they were able to give. And, and the Macedonians were in the middle of a famine. And that's kind of how I feel right now with our COVID reality. And I thank God right now for the, the COVID advances. We're seeing these things happen in, in uh, the amount of time, how long people have COVID. The doctors have been able to come up with treatments that have shortened the duration of how long people struggle with it. The percentage of people that are dying is shrunk. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of advances that are happening that's kind of changing the situation with COVID, but there's a reality that's affecting us right now. The Center for Budget Policy Priorities, the CBPP. Anybody ever heard of the CBPP before? They give stats about what's happening financially in America right now. And they say that there's 24 million adults, it's about 7% of the population in America, that didn't have enough to eat in their household in the last seven days. They say that about one in six Americans right now are behind on their rent. There's right now one in three Americans that believe that it might be difficult to pay the necessities in the next three months. So there's a COVID reality that's taking place. It's happening right now. It's impacting us. But I want to put that reality of of COVID, of what's happening in our world, up against what was happening to the Macedonians. Because Paul's talking about, hey, there's this, this tragedy. In the middle of their tragedy, they were able to give greatly. And so the question that I have and the question we're asking is, how do we rank against, in our COVID reality, against what was happening to the Macedonians in their reality? So I have this graphic. I hope they're going to bring it up on the screen so that you can see this. In the best way that we can kind of give comparison to this is in the country of Sweden, they began tracking during their history what it looked like for them to experience loss. And so they kind of go back about 300 years in their data. But if you see on this, on this chart, there's a little red arrow there. That's the number of deaths in Sweden due to COVID. Now, what the Macedonians were facing, the Macedonians were facing famine. And and so if you go back to the black arrow where the spike, you'll see this part of the graph that goes all the way up to the top. That's what a famine looks like. That's where Sweden was experiencing a famine. Famine in comparison to what COVID's got going on is incredibly more difficult. And and I want us to contextualize that so we understand it. Because of the COVID reality that we're experiencing, we might be able to say, oh my goodness, this is really rough. 
And there's a similar thing that's going on, but in many ways, what was happening in the Macedonians in their famine was way worse or way more impactful than what we're experiencing in our current reality. And what Paul says is as the Macedonians are going through this, something happened to the Macedonians. And I want to look and I ask the Lord if what, what happened to the Macedonians, can it happen to us? And I say it can. That whatever God did to, in the lives of these Macedonians, God could do in our lives. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. What was it that happened in the Macedonians in the middle of this incredible famine that is so, so crippling? It says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Everybody say grace. grace. This, is, this is, if you're wondering why I have faith that's high today, it's because God gave the Macedonian church the grace to give. And I've been praying for him to give you that grace. That, that God would do something in us. And so, so the question is, how can we do it? And the answer is that God's going to give us the grace to do it. And, and, and if you haven't asked him for grace to give, you need to start asking, God, give me the grace to give. Everybody say that. God, give me the grace to give. You got to ask God, empower me to meet the need around the world on this miracle offering weekend. In verse 2, it says, in the midst of this severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up. There was something that bubbled up inside of them. And it came out in rich generosity that there is this, in the middle of trials, in the middle of difficulty in our lives, this is the message of the grace of God that when we're facing some of the worst times, God can do something deep inside of us that's supernatural. And, and beneath the surface, what looks like everybody else is in this middle of, oh my goodness, things are terrible. What God's granted to us is that God could do this supernatural thing inside of us that generosity begins to well up in us and it begins to bubble up and out. And I've been praying, God, let's see this well up in our church. Let's see this bubble up right now. And, and if you aren't listening to what God is saying, how many know there's nothing bubbling up? Right? You know, like I, I ain't been listening to God. I promise you, you're not listening to God. There's nothing supernaturally bubbing up inside of you. Maybe the reverse of that's happening. Right? There's this other thing taking place. Like, uh-uh, I need, I need, I need. And, and there's this... And I'll tell you, if you're addicted to the news, like how many know if you're addicted to the news, faith is not rising up right now, right? You're watching CNN, and you're flicking over to Fox News, and then you're going to MSNBC, and then back to Fox News, and then to whatever, C-SPAN. 
You know, faith isn't rising up. What's rising up is fear is rising up. And, and here's what happens. In, in moments like this, we are bent for bad news. There's something about it. We're just like, oh, tell me, tell me. It's shocking. It's terrible. It's, I need to hear more of it. And, and here's what happens. In moments like this, we're bent for that bad news. And bad news is the fertilizer in our heart that makes fear grow. And when fear grows, it paralyzes you. I don't know, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if we could do anything. Fear's paralyzed you. And you have to listen to God in times like this. You've got to say, God, I, I want to listen to you so that generosity grows up in me. And here's the thing. Here's what's so interesting about this. Fear is attacking people right now that are doing well. Like there are people right now that are not the one in six that are falling behind on rent. They're not in the group that's wondering where they're going to get their food from. In fact, the biggest decision y'all have to make right now, the biggest thing is where am I going to go eat after church? Right, where, where are we going to go eat? Because, because we have money to eat. But there's still this fear that happens. The COVID reality. These, these are people that have kept their jobs. And, and they have so much, maybe not as much as they thought they would have right now. Maybe they, they've been day trading and made more money in day trading than they did in their salary. But there's still something about fear that's causing people to shorten their arms and pull back and say, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, and, and then the enemy says, into that space, you know what you need to do? You need to stock your shelves. You need to get ready. You got to get that toilet paper. That's right. Stock up. You don't know when the next shipment's coming in. And this is a phrase that I'm starting to dislike, just in case. Right? I, we got to stock up just in case. We've got 10 already. But let's get 20 more. Why? Just in case. And fear will cause you to stock your shelves to overflowing just in case. Well, other people's shelves are empty. And here's what this is for the Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering. North Korea is saying, hey, are you going to send Bibles this year? Are we going to say that we're not going to send those Bibles, that we're going to stock our shelves? I mean, how many Bibles do I have sitting around at home right now? Like, how many Bibles you got? I got about 180 translations on my phone alone, right? And, and so, so are we going to stock our shelves or are we going to fill their shelves, that's what, that's what this is all about. There's a church, Vision Church in Cortland, that's trying to get off the ground. There's Ignite Church in Endicott, New York, trying to get off the ground. There's a Two Rivers Church in Springfield, Missouri, that's getting ready to get off the ground. 
And there are people in those communities that are going to be reached by a church that extends its arms and says, I'm not going to stock my shelves to overflowing. I'm in the middle of this moment. I'm going to empty my shelf so that their shelf can be filled. And I'm saying that we got to have, come on church, that's a good thing. I'm saying that we got to have faith rise up to fill their shelves and not ours. Because there's a competition that's happening that says just in case. Because just in case went to war with faith. And I've been experiencing, my wife and I have been experiencing this all year. And I'll tell you right now, faith can win. Because we've been experiencing this all year long. We've been all year trying to give it overflow. Like we, we are, we've talked about this before, but we are percentage progressive givers. And so what that means is we give a percentage of all of our income, and then what we want to do is we want to keep on ratcheting that up. And so this year, we've been challenged in that. Where we've been like, all right, God, we start out this year, everybody start out the year like, oh, here comes 2020, the year of vision, the year of clarity, 2020 vision, baby, here we come. Everybody was prophesying how great a year, this is going to be God's year in your life. And, and what happened was everybody's like, yeah, this is going to be God's year. What nobody considered was that maybe God wanted to test us in our faith. Well, that God's year in our life didn't maybe mean that we were going to have this nice, easy landing strip. That maybe God's year in our life was, I want you to climb the mountain so you can figure out what it looks like from the top. And along the way, you start climbing, and you're saying, oh, this is a little harder than I thought. Because there ain't no view in the valley. You got to put that work in to get to the top of the mountain. And along the way, here's what's happened for Crystal and I. We, we're like, okay, God, we're going we're gonna to be faithful to you. We, we have been modeling radical generosity, and we're going to keep on doing that. And so then this year, about March, stuff starts unraveling. Oh, boy. I started having things taken away, stuff that was, I thought was going to be fun and going to be awesome. I was going to go to Israel this year. I'm still salty about that. Come on, somebody. And... And, and so now I didn't get some of the things that I wanted to get. And, and inside of that, we have tenants, we have a, a duplex that by a miracle of God's provision, we have, and that helps to provide for us. And then we have tenants that are behind on the rent. And so we have this conversation, my wife and I, what are we going to do? What's going to happen tomorrow? What if... We got all these things like you can't evict anybody. How many, you know, and we ain't trying to evict anybody because we're pastors. You know what I'm saying? That don't go so well. At some point, you got to decide, are you going to trust God or not? Am I going to trust God for me? Do I have enough faith for me and my tenants that my tenants can be blessed by the faith that is on my life, that there'll be favor that extends to them? That God's going to do something. And so we said, all right, God, how's it going to go? I don't know. But I know the one who holds tomorrow. 
And so all year long, we've watched God be faithful to us in our finances. And where, where we go to bed in fear, you go to bed wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. When you go to bed and there is this, what if, what if we, what if, well, how's that going to work? You wake up and you say, God is able God's got this. And, and we have to say, look, I've been blessed to be a blessing. Sometimes we got to sacrifice just in case. And, and we're going to lose. And this just in case thing is going to have to bow down to faith. Because faith is going to win. I want to tell you about, I'm going to have the worship team come back. Sadio Mane. A soccer player from Senegal plays for Liverpool, makes $14 million a year. And here's his quote. This is a, a soccer player or a footballer for everybody who wants to be the rest of the world other than Americans. This is what he says. He says, I was hungry and I had to work in the field. I survived hard times, played football barefooted, I didn't have an education and many other things, but today, with what I win, thanks to football, I can help my people. I built schools, a stadium, we provided clothes, shoes, food for people in extreme poverty. In addition, I give 70 euros per month to all people in a very poor region of Senegal, which contributes to their family economy. I don't need to display luxury cars luxury homes, trips, and even planes. I prefer that my people receive a little of what life has given me. And I love this because this Sadio, Mane, he doesn't claim to follow Christ. He claims to follow another religion. And I think to myself, if this man who, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit welling up inside of him, the gift of grace in his life that we have access to, how much more the people of God that could step out in faith and say, hey, there's some things that I might not need in my life. I've been blessed, but I've been blessed to be a blessing. And what's so beautiful is, he says, I want these people to taste a little of what life has given me. And if I could, I would love to modify that for our kingdom builders. When I give the kingdom builders, I prefer that people that don't know Jesus receive what God has graciously given to me. That's the way I want to modify that so that when I give the kingdom builders, that people would experience the God that I've experienced. And so people are saying, just in case. And they're saying, you don't know what the future holds, but here's what I know. I know who holds the future. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. So they already gave the 110%. And I, growing up, I was like, I was like, I love to be the guy that was like, you can't give 110%. It's not possible. 
But here it is. There they went. They went and gave beyond their ability somehow. How is that? Because the grace of God was on them. And then I love this in verse 5. It says, and they exceeded our expectations. There's this beautiful thing about lowered expectations. Like you got, you get, you get a little older, you start thinking about dating a little bit differently, right? Anybody do that? You get a little bit older? Come on, BJ. <laughs> I got you into two messages now, brother. Lowered expectations. It's a dating service. So, so how much less do you have to believe for, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and here's what it is. I don't have low expectations for this church. You know why I don't have low expectations for this church? Because we've been a church now for almost eight years, and every year we've grown as a church. We've grown year after year after year. And the only thing that's ever slowed us down is the lack of leaders and COVID. That's it. Out of, out of the, our history, we just keep on growing. And even in the middle of this year, we've been growing. We're watching people get saved. We're watching lives be transformed. We bought a building. We went out. We, we're seeing all kinds of beautiful things take place. And, and God, like in the middle of COVID, in the middle of this moment where the first time I've been like, all right, God, the church has slowed down a little bit. And God just keeps telling me, stay the course. Like, just keep going. And there's leaders that talk to me and they're like, why aren't you pulling back, pastor? And, and, and the answer to that is, I don't know what God's going to do. God keeps telling me to keep going forward. God keeps telling me to stay the course. And so I don't, I'm not pulling back because I don't know what God's going to do. He, and, and here's the reality of it. I've never known. I've never known where it's all going to come from. I've never known how in the world are we going to get from point A to point B. There's never been in my mind when God said, hey, I want you to go to here. I've never been like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Because I see all the provision, and I see all the people, and I see all the resources, and I see, I've never had a day as a pastor in our eight years. When we started the church, there was nothing. We had, this is a little sidetrack, but I'm going to tell you about this. We had, before, when we were doing our pre-launch thing, a couple of the guys were in the room tonight that were on the pre-launch thing. They all lived in an apartment together. They'd be fighting each other in the house on Saturday night going into Sunday. One of them's our, one of our pastors now. How is this all going to work, God? I'm looking around. I got my launch team fighting each other. We're going to be a church of great grace. We're going to be a church that takes the city. We're going to be a church that overcomes. We're going to be a church that multiplies. And they're over here fighting in the corner. How's that all going to work? I don't know, but I'm going that way because that's the direction God said to go in. And in the end, it was God's great grace. Everybody's got to say grace. Come on, that's so good. So that's why I'm not pulling back. It's always been a miracle. And I don't know 
who God's blessed this year that can come through. You know, there's the CARES Act this year. So what that is, for the first time ever, up to now, people could only get 50% of their income. This year, they can write off 100% of their income. It's the first year ever, one year only. And companies could write off about 10%, but this year only, they could do 25%. So I don't know if there's a company or an individual that God's going to bless in a certain way that this all could come through. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know if there's somebody watching online right now that God's been incredibly favorable in your life. And in this moment, you're like, look, I could do this. I got the thing bubbling up inside of me. And, and here's the reality of this is I'm not stepping back because the need is still so big. The lost people are still lost. The thirsty are still thirsty. The naked are still naked. The hungry are still hungry. And the prodigal still needs to come home. So I'm not backing off, church. And yes, there's a COVID reality that's here. But just like the Macedonians, I'm believing for the same grace that they had. We are a church that exceeds expectations. North Korea is wondering, can we do it? Cortland, Endicott, Springfield, all of our ministries in Corning and Cortland and Binghamton, Ithaca, there's this moment that we have to say, my hands are going to be extended. I'm going to clean my shelves out so that God can come through. So how can you be so confident, Pastor Will? And here's what it comes down to. Proverbs 11.25 says it like this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know what that means? That you get out your sprinkler, you get out your squirt gun, whatever it is that is a hot summer day, and you come along and you just try to give them a little dab of something nice. God's got a hose for you. He's got a bigger sprinkler than you got. That his refresher is greater than your refresher. And, and so there's a bigger hose coming our way. And then it says this. I'm going to close it right here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, it says, They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. And this is what happens. God, you've got me. Anybody that's here, you know God's got you. Our church is full of people. That's two rivers, man. That's one of the things I get so excited. We've been redeemed by Jesus. God's got me. God took care of me. God's redeemed me. God's covered me, and I've given my life to him, and my life is pointed in the direction to God, and I've, I've changed. I used to run in a different direction. I used to go and I used to run after the things of the world, but now I've turned and I've given God my life. And so now God's got me. And of course, if he's got me, he's got my money. Like if I give myself first of all to God, then I can easily give myself to others. And that's God's will because here's what we say. Don't, don't do the math. Do your part. Because I'm just going to do whatever God's leading me to do. My wife and I, my family, we're getting together with our kids. And we're all of us going to walk up and put our gift in the offering together as a family. Because God's got me. And I'm going to show my kids that my house belongs to Jesus. 
In my life, kids, my life was going in one direction one day, but now my life's going in this direction. And my kids are going to know it. My family's going to know it. And through that, somebody else, somebody in North Korea is going to get a Bible. Somebody in Springfield, Missouri is going to hear about Jesus. Somebody right in Binghamton and Cortland and Corning and Ithaca is going to have some resources that are going to allow them to be more effective so that your life extends through this miracle offering and changes somebody else's life. God wants to do something through a kingdom builder. Are there any kingdom builders that are with me right now? I want you to just stand up on your feet at every location. I believe it that God wants to use us to turn our world to Jesus. Just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Jesus, I bless every single person. God, that now something would well up in us. There would be grace. There would be favor that every person at every location, we would lock arms together that this is our year to be kingdom builders. This is our year to make a difference. That God, the what ifs and I don't knows are all out the window because faith is rising up in our hearts and in our lives and we're going to see you do something that's miraculous together. We thank you for now in Jesus mighty name everybody together said amen Amen.